You're listening to an audio sermon by Pastor Bernard Milder from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. The Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is very simple but very challenging. Because this Gospel challenges us to change. To change our way of thinking to change our conduct, to change our character. God knows our hearts and we cannot deceive God. Matter of fact, the book of Galatians 6 verse 7 says that we cannot mock God, try and make a fool of God. But what a man sows that he will reap. The Phillips translation says, a man's entire life is based upon the seed that he has sown. A man's entire life is based upon the seed that he has sown. You might be going through a challenging time, a difficult time, but in that difficult time, continue to plant the right kinds of seed. I want to read from the Passion Translation. Galatians 6 verse 7, the Passion Translation. Make no mistake about it, God will never be mocked. For what you plant will be the very thing you harvest. The harvest you reap reveals the seed that was planted. If you planted the corrupt seeds of self-life into this natural realm, you can expect to experience a harvest of corruption. If you plant the good seeds of spirit life, you will reap the beautiful fruits that grow from the everlasting life of the spirit. Family, listen to me. Desperation and deception go hand in hand. When you are desperate for something, you will not look at the source of that thing. Many times when people are desperate for money, they don't look and see where that comes from. They'll do anything to get it. And you don't realize what kind of seeds that you are planting. God said it will not be mocked. The kind of seeds you plant is the harvest that you'll have. Many of the challenges that you are facing right now Is it because of seeds that you've planted in the past? You're rebuking the devil, but you know you've had your part to play. The question you have to ask yourself, am I ready to change? You see, we do things, then we justify our actions. But the Word of God has got the ability to discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart. You will always judge people on their worst actions and justify yourself on your best intentions. Let me repeat that quickly for you. When you're in a conflict situation with people, you will always judge that individual on their worst actions. But you did this. You said this. And my intention was only 
to be nice with you. I only wanted to be kind and help you. And you behaved in this rude way. You are wrong. And I'm right, the poor victim. You should oftentimes judge yourself on your worst actions and justify the individual on their best intentions. You'll avoid a lot of conflict in your life. But many times, through our actions and our behaviors today, the kind of seeds that we are planting today, we are busy ruining our tomorrow. That will bring me to my sermon topic of today. Don't ruin your tomorrow. People that are in church this morning are here for different reasons. You might be looking for healing or deliverance. Maybe you're ignorant and you need the word of God. But you're here for some or other reason. If you're seeking deliverance, your heart is open before God and God can see your heart. Whether you are looking for deliverance or a friendship with the deliverer. Many people come to church only when they have troubles, when they have problems. But the Word of God has got the ability to discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart. If I say, who wants to be healed? Who needs breakthrough? Who needs deliverance? Everybody will be saying, yes, I do. I need healing. I need deliverance. On the outside, everybody's heads are nodding. But how many hearts on the inside are nodding for a relationship with Jesus? God cannot be mocked. You know, the one day, I had a young man, a student, he came and he said on his placard, I need deliverance from lust. He said, you want to be delivered from lust? What do you do? I'm a student. And the spirit of lust is controlling me. I'm sleeping with so many women on the campus. I want to be delivered. Please help me, pastor. He said, okay, I'll pray for you. He said, young man, you're not being honest. He says, what do I mean? I say, you've told me half of the situation. Yes, you are sleeping with a lot of women on campus. And you want God to deliver you from the spirit of lust, not to sleep with all those women. Because you want to be faithful to your girlfriend and continue with the sexual relationship with her. He said, yes. I said, let some of the ushers just take you quickly and explain to you salvation. If you're going to receive deliverance, deliverance is not the end. The end is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that you have to maintain to maintain your deliverance. Let them explain that to you. Then if you want me to still pray for you, will deliver you by the grace of God from the spirit of lust, but then you stop sleeping with your girlfriend as well. Do you know what's the hard sort of thing? After they spoke to him, he never came back for deliverance. People want what God can do for them. They want the reward without changing their conduct. God cannot be mocked. Is that young man not busy ruining his tomorrow? 
You know, the Bible says Paul was a pestilent fellow. Do you know what's a pestle? If you go into Africa, they have the wooden bowls. And they put the rice in the bowls. Then they take a pestle and they hit the rice. So that the shell on the outside can break open. Then you throw the shell away and you can use the rice. So the word pestilent fallow, I think comes from the word pestle. (coughs) (coughs) (laughs) To break that outer shell so we can get to the inner part. Amen? Amen? Are you seeking deliverance or a relationship with the deliverer? Are you seeking healing or a relationship with the healer? Because if you want the healer to heal you, how will you maintain that healing if the healer is not in your life? It means you have to maintain your relationship with God. Listen here, Luke 17 verse 17, I'm reading from the Passion Translation. After Jesus had healed 10 people. So where are the other nine, Jesus asked. Weren't there 10 who were healed? They all refused to return to give thanks and to give glory to God except you, a foreigner from Samaria. Then Jesus said to the healed man lying at his feet, Arise and go. It was your faith that brought you salvation and healing. One of the other translations says that has made you well or has made you whole. So many of them received healing, but he also received salvation. Healing is for the salvation of your soul. Deliverance is for the salvation of your soul. What does it mean? God heals you so that you can serve Him better. Should God deliver you from lust so that you can become a better fornicator? Should God heal your lungs from lung cancer so that you can start smoking cigars again? Should God heal you from HIV so that you can start adapting or living your old lifestyle again? Or should He heal you so that you can change your character, your behavior and start living for Him? Christianity is about changing. Jesus changes our health. We change our behavior. Jesus changes our future. We change our character. When God changes something in your life, we need to also change to become more like Him. We live in a generation that want all the benefits without changing their lifestyle. They want the fruit to manifest in their lives without the Word of God giving them instruction. We live in a generation with instant gratification. Living for today, not thinking about tomorrow. A generation that wants a reward without doing anything. You go to work and you're there at 8 o'clock and you take a selfie with your watch and you say, look, I'm here at 8. And if by two minutes past eight, five friends have not liked the fact that you're on time, you feel offended. Hello? 
I've worked a whole day. I've worked hard a whole day on Facebook. And then you have 20 likes. You think, wow, yes, I'm great. I've worked a whole day. Jesus told a parable about this. He said, if you've just done what's asked of you, why should you hear, well done, good and faithful servant, if you've just done what's required of you? But today we live in a generation, you just do what's required of you, and you want 20 likes. Daniel 11 verse 32 says, But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. That testimony of that young man that didn't want to receive his deliverance. Family, listen to me. You cannot make a deal with the devil. It's going to bite you. God is not mocked. God knows what's going on in your heart if you're sincere or whether you're not sincere. True Christianity lies in our heart. The purity of our hearts. Not the fact that I'm at church and now I'm worshiping God. But what do you do when you're not at church? So they are married. We know that. We can see they are holding hands. It shows that they are connected to each other. But the real test, when they're not together, when he goes to work, she goes, study. She's finishing now with her studies. That's the real test. To see if there's a relationship or not. When they are not together, is he looking at girls? Or has he made a covenant with his eyes that's towards his wife? That's the real test. But you see, as Christians here in church, we think, oh, when I'm in church and everybody can see me, now it's faith. I worship in God. And when you go to work, you say, hey, anybody know some dirty jokes? I'm not at church now. Dirty jokes. Where's the dirty Do you do that? No. It doesn't get to work and say, okay, is there any woman that I can enter into a relationship with? No. Because whether they are together here or there, they're still married. The real test is when they are not together. How does he behave? What is he thinking? What is he saying? And what is he doing? But because you think Christianity is something you do in church, you behave differently, but you don't realize you are planting seeds that will ruin your tomorrow. You know, when I'm in Lagos, they feed me a lot of starch. Sometimes three starches in one meal. Just because my wife doesn't see the calories that I'm eating, doesn't mean it doesn't reflect when I come home. It's the same in Christianity. God is aware of you the whole time. He sees you the whole time. You're in faith the whole time. The veil has been taken away. It's not now the outer court, the inner court, the holy of holies. It's been taken away. You're in God's presence the whole time. You've entered into His rest, not just now on the Sabbath day, but you've entered into His rest every day. Now, everything which is not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. So now I'm walking with God. When I greet Him, I'm doing it with all of my heart. How are you? 
If I'm not doing it with all of my heart, I'm sinning. There's not a break in faith that I say, okay, I'm just, God, I'm going into this boardroom now, but you're going to have to stay outside. I'll meet up with you afterwards. No. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you now the whole time. This ring is an outward sign that he carries on his finger to remind himself that he's in covenant with her. But the real covenant is not here, it's here. Because he has given his heart to her and she has given her heart to him. There's a relationship now. Anything that he now loves more than her that's in his heart is the very thing that can destroy this relationship. Jesus said, let me help you understand my relationship with you. It's God, the church, husband, and wife. It means anything that you love more than God is the very thing that can keep you away from your destiny. It's not where my heart is, there my treasure is. No, it's where my treasure is, my heart follows. So make sure God is your greatest treasure. People say, I know my heart. You're lying, man. You don't know your heart. The Bible says your heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. The word of God can discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart. I was only trying to help. But if you only were only trying to help, why did you hurt? God knows my heart. Let the word of God discern the intents and the thoughts of your heart. We spoil tomorrow by the seeds we plant today. Be very careful what seeds you plant today. Relationships. Relationships, be very careful. Remember, I use them now as husband and wife. When they just married like that, it's not when they make the mistakes. Because they're still very in love. David made his mistake much later in his life. When he was not busy with what he was supposed to be busy with. Remember the Bible says at the appointed time when kings go out to war, David stayed at home. He was supposed to be on the battlefield doing what he's supposed to do. But now he sat at home flicking through the channels. Oh, sorry, he walked out on the balcony when the ladies were bathing and he looked down. The Bible says when he saw her, he looked. Seeing wrong things is not a sin. Hello? Amen. Sometimes temptation can walk past you. You can see it. But if your heart is fixed upon God, you've made a covenant with your eyes, you'll look forward. Seeing is not, it's the looking part. When you are walking and here temptation comes past you and it can be, let's say a lady is walking and a guy comes past here. Seeing it, not a problem. 
the devil tempted me. No, the devil didn't push your head around. The devil is the accuser, not you the accuser of the devil. If you're alone in your room or in your flat with a lady or with a gentleman, don't say the devil tempted me. Don't even put yourself in that situation. Hello? Don't be alone there if you know there can be trouble. Amen? Amen. Don't ruin your future. Don't ruin your tomorrow because of that. But people live for instant gratification. And they don't realize through that they're ruining their tomorrow. Don't say, I'm too young. I can still do this and that and that. No. You are planting seeds that can ruin your tomorrow. Young people. The Bible in Proverbs 6 says, By means of an harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. Don't go and live like that. Commit adultery. There's a spiritual law that reduces you to a crust of bread. Makes you poor. Are we not violating a spiritual principle? If you make a mistake, say sorry, Lord. Forgive me, get up and move on. Why are you still angry about your situation? You are angry because you are comparing yourself to others. I've worked harder than him. My grades were higher than hers. I should get the position. Why did she get the position? And you're angry. Why? But because you are comparing yourself to your brother and to your sister, you're getting angry. And when you're angry, you cannot think clearly. Start to murmur and complain. Lamenting, being grumpy, complaining, worrying are not characteristics of a Christian that knows God is in control of their lives. If you're always lamenting about things, careful, that is the fruit. It can very easily go over into revenge. When you're always worrying, you very quickly start complaining. Listen what the Bible says in Philippians 2 verse 14. People that worry the whole time, they fall into self-pity very quickly. Holy Spirit of hope, forgive my self-pity. The helper is there to give you hope in your situation. Not to fall into self-pity. Philippians 2 verse 14. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourselves. The one transition without grumble. You know, people that grumble a lot, they fall into self-condemnation and guilt. For then you will be seen as innocent, faultless, and pure children of God. So when you're not complaining, not murmuring, not causing division, people will see you as pure children of God. 
But Christians are fighting so much with each other, are so offended with each other, that people say, where's the light? Even though you live in the midst of a brutal and perverse culture, for you with, will appear among them as shining lights in the universe, offering them the words of eternal life. You are living proof that I haven't labored among you for nothing. Your lives are the fruit of my ministry and will be my glorious boast as the unveiling of Christ. Your lives are the fruit of my ministry. What kind of fruit is manifesting in your life? Is it the fruit of the Holy Spirit? Love, joy, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering? Or is it the fruits of the flesh? The root of all the fruits of the flesh is the devil himself. Anger, hatred, bitterness. Where all these things are, there's strife. Strife is rooted in pride. When we have pride in our hearts, Obadiah 1 verse 3 says, The pride of my heart has deceived me. Does God draw closer to those with pride in their hearts? No. It's the humble that gets his attention. The one who is ready to say, I'm sorry. Change me, Lord. All of us have sown wrong seeds. All of you have said things to people that you're sorry that you did. You know, I realized, even as we started building the church now, just because you've come this far doesn't mean you're safe. Now you have to work much harder. Be more alert. Say, God, help me more. September this year, I'll be married 23 years. And I realize I'll have to ask God, help me to become a better husband. Help me to become a better father. Then I have to ask myself, what kind of a father do I want to be a year from now, five years from now? And ask myself, what needs to change for me to be that? Because just going on doing the same thing and thinking change will come. It's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Ask myself, what kind of a pastor do I want to be a year from now? Two years from now, five years from now. And what needs to change to be that pastor to the people? And if I don't want to change, nothing will change. God is not going to change you. He's not prepared to change anybody who does not want to change. You need a heart to say, Lord, change me. Help me. The generation, unfortunately, today just want to hear, you're going to be blessed. Just become a Christian, give your tithes, and all problems disappear. That's not the gospel. Jesus said, with all those things, comes trials and tribulations persecutions what will you do in the time of testing the time of testing reveals the true you family if you truly believe god is with you he'll never leave you nor forsake you why are you so angry about your situation if you know god is with you the principle of christianity is that nothing can happen to you without God being aware of it. Without God ready, able, willing to help you and see you through. If you know that, you will not be angry. But if you don't know that, the devil can use that 
to link himself to you, for anger, fear, and doubt to come and take you into another direction instead of the will of God. And you say, why hasn't God done it? God will never force himself on you and change your behavior and conduct. You decide. God almost cannot do it. Do you know why? Because he's made you a free moral agent. He said man here on earth will have authority. Am I right? A human being with a spirit and a soul. You, through your heart, decide who you will yield to. God or the devil? When you say, Holy Spirit, come into my life. Now you are linked up with God. You can say, Abba, Father, I'm a son. Lead me and guide me. And now you are led by the Holy Spirit. True sons are led by the Holy Spirit. When challenges comes against you, what is the devil challenging? He's challenging your sonship. He is saying to you, do you really believe that you're the son of the Most High God? Do you really believe God promised that? Remember Abraham. God came to him and explained to him atonement. Melchizedek, remember, he gave him bread and wine. said, I'm making a covenant. There's hope. When God had given him the promise of a son, and that son had manifested. And that son was 16 years old, and he was 116 years old. God said to him, Abraham, I want you to go and sacrifice your only son, that which you love dearly. Bring him and give him to me. Abraham went early the next morning, Genesis 22. I was just early the next morning, he said, let's go. Took his son, took the servants, and they were on their way. When they got to the right place, he said to the servants, you have to stay here. Me and my son are going yonder to worship. That which was considered a sacrifice from a natural point of view. Abraham, because he knew he was giving to God what God had given to him. He knew he could only give to God what comes from God. He said, this is what I'm now going to give to God. It's not a sacrifice because it never came from me. It came from God. This is worship. He knew God. He knew what would follow. And he became the father of faith. Because that which he loved the most, he said, God, I love you more. But if his faith was in Isaac, he would not have made the sacrifice. But his faith was in God. So nothing was too dear or too valuable to give to God. And he planted a seed 
that day that had an impact not only on his direct family, but on you and me. He didn't ruin his tomorrow for you and for me. We have to ask ourselves, am I truly a son? You know, that son at 16 didn't murmur or complain. You know what his father did to him? His father said, my son, will you please carry the wood on your back? He was asking him to carry the load which his father was going to use to sacrifice him on. And he never murmured or complained once. We have to do one little thing for God. This was mine. I did this for God. I'm the one who carried the load. And now I have to lay it down. And you want to put me on it and sacrifice me? Why? I mean, no murmuring, no complaining, no lamenting. Because he knew God was with him and God was in control of his life. We reshape our future by the seed we plant every day. Or you ruin your future by the seed you plant today. Turn to the person next to you, say to them, there is hope for you. Ask yourself, how long are you going to fight fire with fire and expect water? It's time to change your conduct, your behavior, and your actions. When you come before God, don't just say, forgive my sins. You know the area where the devil can tempt you. David said, my sin is ever before me. Is when you want to take that sin that's ever before you and say, oh, it's nothing, I'm just going to put it there. That it can come from behind and overtake you. In our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Thoughts, words, actions. So if you're meditating on negative things, it comes from a negative heart. Let me give you some very good advice. Everybody has negative thoughts. Everybody. But you have to replace the negative thoughts with the Word of God. When negative thoughts come, don't say it. If you say it, you give birth to it. Say, I'm angry with Johan. I know anger does not come from God. To hate a brother does not come from God. If that thought is there, that let God deal with it immediately. You deal with it immediately. Say, Lord, forgive me. Don't now start saying, I'm so angry with him. I hate him. Remember, if I hate a brother, I've become a murderer. What makes you a Christian? The fact that you raise your hands. The fact that you can quote scriptures. No. The fact that you have money. That you have cars. No, your money does not make you a Christian. The peace of God in your heart is your testimony that you're a Christian. So even when there's trials and tribulations, you have peace. Even when people are cursing you, you have peace and you can bless them. 
When people despitefully use you, you can pray for them. Isn't that what Jesus taught? He said, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, don't move in the spirit of this world, but move, be moved by my Holy Spirit. If you continue to be friends with the world, plant the seeds of the world, will you not ruin your tomorrow? I want to close with this. What is it that you love more than God? What is it that you love more than God? Because that thing that you love more than God is the thing that can keep you away from your destiny. Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let me read it from the Passion Translation. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have. For you always have God's presence. For hasn't he promised you, I will never leave you alone, never. And I will not loosen my grip on your life. So we can say with great confidence, I know the Lord is for me. And I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. Family, it's very simple. First God, then the results. Align your life with God and the rest will follow. He says, first seek the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. You seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the things will be added. Today we teach people, get the add-ons. And then you focus upon the kingdom. No. First the kingdom. First the relationship with Jesus. Then all these other things will be added. Because if He's going to give it to you, you'll need to maintain it. And how will you maintain it? What did Jesus say to the man at the pool of Bethesda? After you found him in the temple. Good place to go after you've been healed. After you received your deliverance. After you received your breakthrough. Be in the temple. Go and say thank you to God. Amen. Amen. Say to him, go and sin no more. Lest a worse thing happen to you. What was he saying? He says, now that you are healed, you'll need God even more. You'll have to pray even more. If you don't believe me, you that have prayed and asked God for children. Are you praying more for the children now after you've received them? Or that you pray more for the children before you got them? You that prayed for a husband and a wife. Are you praying more now for that husband? Now that you've got him, now that you've got her, are you praying more or less? More. You that prayed for that job. For that contract, now that you've got it, you pray more. Because you have to maintain it. You have to ask yourself, how will I maintain it? God is not looking for people that's perfect. He's looking for people that's available. When you say in your heart, I want to be like Jesus, it attracts the presence of God immediately. God is not looking for people that's perfect. He's looking for people that's available. Who would come in humility and sincerity of heart and say, Lord, change me. When God does something in your life, He changes your life. Be prepared to change as well. When He gives you healing, say, Lord, I want to change my conduct. If He changes your future, change your character. You become more like God.
If you know God is in control of your life, He's got a firm grip on your life, nothing will shake your heart. Because you'll keep that peace. Even then when a trial and tribulation comes your way, you know God is in control of your life. He will make a way. Even if there's a temptation, a difficulty, He will show you, do this, turn to this person, go there. And He'll lead you out of that because you are being led by the Holy Spirit. Jesus never ran away from any challenge. Jesus was a tomorrow thinker. He was conscious of what seed am I planting today so that I don't ruin anybody's future tomorrow. Remember the book of Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. For the glory, me and you, being restored into he endured, he, he was biting the bullet. The disciples did what they didn't want to do to get the results that they wanted. Sometimes you find yourself changing, doing things that are difficult. You know, the miners in the Welsh revival, they had to replace all the donkeys in the mines. Do you know why? Because the miners got saved. And when they got saved, there was a cleansing of their hearts. And when there was a cleansing of their hearts, there was a cleansing of their tongues. So those donkeys were only used to swearing and cursing. So when the miners got saved, the donkeys didn't listen to them anymore. <laughs> they had to replace the donkeys. Since you've become born again, has your language changed? Has your conduct changed? I'm closing with this. Do you know what's one of the most heart-sore, heart-breaking things for me? When I see people come to church, to household of Christ, I see people come to the prayer line. I see them receive their deliverance or their healing or their breakthrough. And they leave here and they're not prepared to change. What do I mean by that? They come here asking God, the Holy One of Israel, to touch their lives, to bring change. And then when they leave here, they go back to their worldly ways. They ask light to expel darkness. And when they leave here, they go back to darkness. What has changed? You know what happens? Going back to that testimony of the, that I was giving about the man. People come then here for prayer. And by the grace of God, I had a word for him. But a young man like that would come here with the intentions not to stop sinning. Being disconnected from lust. But afterwards, his plan is just to go back and to continue in a sexual relationship with his girlfriend. And you leave here and you say, Deliverance does not work. God cannot deliver. And we start to blaspheme, saying that God cannot do what He's able to do. We want God to change things in our lives, but nothing we want to change in our lives. We want the results, the fruit, without instruction from His Word, without changing our conduct, without changing our speech, Let's not ruin our tomorrow by that kind of thinking. We cannot mock God. 
whatever a man sows, that he will reap. So if you make a decision from today to plant righteous seeds, guess what? You'll only have a righteous harvest. Even when people throw unrighteousness towards you, continue in righteousness and you'll see how God will change your life around. God cannot do for us what we are supposed to do ourselves. He will not enforce himself upon us. We make the decision in our hearts to change. And when we change, we become more like God. We are walking with him. We are talking with him. We are planning with him. He holds our future, our destiny in his hands. He's more committed to your good future than what you are yourself. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.